0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one intoxicating page of Talmud a day, because today, Masechet Shabbat, page 76, we are talking wine. Hello, Josh Cross. Hey. Producer Josh Cross, you're a man of many talent. You produce Unorthodox, you produce this year's show, and yet you're also someone who appreciates a good cup of vino, correct?
1: I have photographs of my children sitting on the wall of the vineyard south of Dijon in Von Romane, the most expensive grapes on the planet. <laughs> I didn't let them in the field.
0: And so, Josh, I need your help to, to help make sense of this strange passage in today's page, which begins as follows. One who carries out undiluted wine from a private domain to a public domain or vice versa is liable only For a measure equivalent to the wine typically diluted in a cup. Pure wine, the Mishnah informs us, was diluted with water. The measure that determines liability for carrying out wine is a measure suitable to be diluted for a significant cup of wine. And so you ask, of course, what is a significant cup of wine, which by the way, the Hebrew here is so perfect. Kos Yafé, meaning a beautiful cup, and the rabbis teach us it was taught in a Tesefta, the measure that determines liability for carrying out wine is equivalent to the wine diluted for a significant cup of wine. And what is a significant cup of wine to which the Tesefta referred? It is a cup of blessing, meaning. Rav Nachman said that Rababar Avu said, "A cup of blessing must have a quarter of a quarter of a log of undiluted wine in it, so that one will dilute it with water, and a couple contain a quarter of a log." The ratio of dilution is typically three parts water to one part wine. I went and studied what a log meant. It is a Talmudic unit of measurement that refers to six large eggs piled one on top of the other. So, in other words, if you're looking at a quarter of a log, you're talking about two eggs, more or less, or an egg and a half, which is a significant amount of undiluted wine. But, Josh, why dilute wine?
1: We have to go back and look at what wine was at that time, right? So... Even the Bible in Proverbs says wine was, quote, bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Wine at that time was bitter, salty, and insanely vinegary. You're basically drinking vinegar, not wine like we're drinking now, right? It it was not Merlot. We don't curse on this show. No damn Merlot. You know, in the Odyssey, right? Homer mentions that the dilution ratio was like 20 to 1. And so even Pliny the Elder, who's like the foremost wine scholar, who's killed at Vesuvius nine years after the destruction of the Second Temple, I don't know if there's a connection between the wine stuff and punishment and stuff with the temple and then Vesuvius, but you'll leave that for what it will. He says it's 8 to 1, okay? And And, and so the rabbis
0: being three parts water to one part wine, they were actually being very liberal with their port.
1: We were not having problems with getting the effects of the drink, whether or not... The wine was good. Maybe their wine was better. I mean, there's Athenaeus of Nocritus, which is around 200 CE, which is when we're starting to get, actually get the writing of this. And he's saying the uh, the writing there is three to one. So there seems to be some parallel in Greece and Babylonia at that point.
0: Since you mentioned Greece in one of my favorite books of all time, The Iliad, you find the following recipe for how wine is to be drunk. I I dug it up. This is from the magisterial Robert Fagel's translation in in book 11, Agamemnon's Day of Glory. In this cup, says Homer, the woman, skilled as a goddess, mixed them a strong drink with Promenian wine. Over it, shredded goat cheese with a bronze grater and scattered barley into it, glistening pure white, and invited them to drink when she had mulled it all. Have you ever
1: put goat cheese in your wine and then barley and then mulled it, Josh? I have never mulled it. I have never barleyed it. I have had goat cheese and wine, but never stirred together. So I'm not sure how bad this wine was, but it appears from all these sources that at a bare minimum, it was potentially gross and nowhere near what we used it for today. But what's interesting is that as they settled down on the three to one ratio, and we're talking about carrying here, this is all falling under the Shabbat rules, we needed to have a bare minimum to be able to do what we needed to do without it being a breaking of the rules, right? Right. Like That's the premise of this page, is we're talking about how much honey can you put on a cold sore, or how much milk can you gulp, I think is the actual word, it's you can carry Mm -hmm. a gulp of milk. Mm So. All of this, and in particular wine, is showing how much wine is needed to get done the job that we need to get done without it going excessive. So for a cup of blessing, we needed to have enough volume that creates a log, is that how it's pronounced, log? A log, that's my best Aramaic accent. It's not log. It's not, not big, log. heavy, and wood. It's a log of wine. So in order to have it significant, we need to have enough impact and effect of the wine while watering it down so that we are neither falling all over ourselves or also absolutely disgusted by what this this swill ostensibly was at the time.
0: See, I, I really love that because that to me is a perfect manifestation of how Judaism approaches wine. I love the selection that you read earlier from Proverbs. Like The Bible is very clear about the potentially devastating impact of imbibing too much but at the same time it has this line here which is really great Umai kos yafe, kos bracha. what's a significant cup of wine a cup of blessing meaning there's already a recognition here that if you have the right amount of it diluted in just the right way you would hit just that right buzz or sweet spot that would allow you to connect to not get completely drunk, but allow you to connect to these great transcendent feelings that you have when you're just a little bit, shall we say, perfumed, as another great biblical word would, for drunkenness would say. Right. Because you're not sober
1: anymore. You've, you've mellowed the edges. You're connecting to the divine. Unless anybody want to push back on that, let me reiterate that in the Odyssey, it's a 20 to 1 ratio. This is only 3 to 1, which means this is certainly strong. Has never been a better time to
0: be Jewish. Josh Cross, thank you so much for this enchanting disquisition on wine and drunkenness. Lachaim, lachaim. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.